Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Nine one one, where's your emergency? Uh, yes, ma'am. I'm gonna try to help Alpine Tillis. I just got hit by lightning. You just got hit by lightning? Okay, give me one second. Yeah, I lost my fingers. You lost your fingers? Yes, ma'am. My whole right side is gone. What do you mean gone? Uh, I can't feel it. Welcome into another episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. I'm Craig Cottle, the director of Nature Reliance School. I'm going to be hanging out with Tracy Trimble, our co-host for the Nature Reliance Media Podcast and editor extraordinaire, which we greatly appreciate. Tracy and I are going to be talking about a topic he kind of got interested in. Well, obviously, we've always been interested in this topic, but he got to digging into some data, some science on the topic of lightning. And so we cover several different topics here that I think you're going to enjoy, obviously, because he and I are both statistics geeks. We share some of the statistics that are out there. Number two, we're going to cover some of the myths versus the facts, basically doing our best to do some myth busting. And then number three, we're going to talk about some very specific facts that come from the National Severe Storms Laboratory and uh, just interesting stuff. That is also going to include how to gauge how far away a storm is. What you think it is is probably wrong. I'll go ahead and give you a hint. And then after that, we dig into the next topic, which was what to do if you get caught in a storm. We don't want to throw a bunch of data out there and not give you some ways to get past it. So we have a list of do's and don'ts that are put out by NOAA, which is very useful information. And then in typical Nature Reliance School fashion, we go over... Uh, first aid as well as we then go into some scenario training meaning we lay some situations out that are likely stuff that you've probably done things that i have done things that tracy has done situations like paddling and kayaking canoeing camping uh, just hiking what how do you handle yourself and that way we give you some answers on what you can do if you find yourself and then we wrap it up with my man roy sullivan Hang around to the end to hear what Roy's all about. It's crazy. So, welcome in to Nature Reliance Media Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. Today, you got Craig and Tracy again 
talking about a subject that I think, quite frankly, everybody needs to listen to. Uh, Tracy dug into some research on lightning. Yes, that lightning. And we're going to talk about some things, particularly as it relates to being outside. There's going to be a lot of myth busting here. You know, that whole thing about uh, you can count between thunders and how many seconds and that's how many miles away the, the storm is. Well, that's that's way off, way off. So we've got a lot of other stuff like that that we're going to discuss today. Tracy, what's up? Man, I am doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a good day. Got to yeah. go out and play in the woods today. Tracker got to chase some turkeys. Oh, really? He's gotten freaky about turkeys, man. The dog loves to chase turkeys. Does I'm not he a chase fan of him. Hard? He goes hard, hard after mm-hmm. the turkeys. Fortunately, he can't get close enough to them. <laughs> but I can't. Uh, I can get him off of everything else. But the turkeys, he's just fascinated with. He I guess got I his know. attention. <laughs> hey, guess what I get to do this afternoon? Turkey hunting. No, no. Go fishing. Really? Where are you going? Yeah. Um, One of my neighbors has a pond down here. You know, one of those little homeowners pond that they stuck in 25 years ago. That's teeming with fish. And nice. um, He has, he purchased the land and cleaned the uh, bank and and dam off. And it looks really nice. So he called me for some advice on real estate. And so I asked him for, permission to go down there and fish and he actually said well we're actually getting ready to put some chemicals in it because it does have a lot of um algae uh, weeds and yeah and everything growing and uh he said if you don't care just go down there and clean it out because we're we're getting ready to clean hmm. it out and kill it and start over from scratch so oh, i said wow. don't worry about it i'll clean it out for you <laughs> no joke man i went down Dude, there last night ponds- i went yeah. there last night man through just to see if you know just to get my uh, rod and reel throwing again because it's been in my wood shop and had dust all in it yeah and five casts two fish three fish five casts oh two fish. shoot shell crackers or bass or what i mean what was it bluegill? yeah a little little bluegill and a uh, crappie what a black crappie yeah man if it's got crop they might be stunted if nobody's been catching them if there's that because man those things rapidly grow but that he was oh he was probably seven inches eight inches holy mackerel nice Nice, nice, Dude, that's nice. some fillets on tap right there. Yeah, boy, I hope I have a bunch of them. But was it storming last night? It wasn't storming, but <laughs> but this topic came up, kind of hit me, you know, with all these little pop-up storms here and there. One was rolling through, and as a kid, one of the things that we would do as a family would just go out on the back porch, and we would watch the storm roll in, right? You, yeah. we, we could see it coming up the, the big valley that we lived in. And as it was coming in, I went on my back porch and was looking, just watching some things roll in and a big crack of thunder hit lightning and thunder hit yeah. after that. And it jumped and if I had hair on my head, it would have raised it. And I went back in and I thought, you know what, probably not safe being on the porch. And in my research, it sure enough came up that it's not safe to be on the porch at all. Mm. Well, good. That's uh, I love myth busting stuff about the outdoors and this is going to be a good one. You want to start digging into some of these stats here? Uh, I always wondered about, uh, we hear, you know, how many deaths per year and all that kind of stuff. But over the last 50 years, the United States has averaged uh, 50, uh, roughly 50 deaths per year. And that has gone down significantly over the last, well, pretty much every year, really. For instance, in um, 2021, we've only had two deaths so far from lightning Mm -hmm. strikes. 
in 2020, we had 17, 2019, we had 20 and then 21, 16. And in the year of 2016, though, we had 40 for, for some reason it jumped way back up. But over the last 10 years, it's pretty much average somewhere between 20 and I don't know, maybe 27, 28. Yeah. And that's, so that's more than likely, I would say a lot of those are preventable too. So that's why we wanted to get into this topic. I would think so. The stats also showed out that the vast majority of the of the deaths were male versus female. Huh. That the doesn't va- surprise me. <laughs> yeah, I mean the it doesn't mean I mean the vast majority, like in uh twenty was it twenty twenty, uh thirteen of the seventeen deaths were male. Oh wow. Yeah. So guys we gotta use better judgment. Get smarter. Yeah, we need to get That's smarter. what we're gonna do today though, right? We're gonna throw some of this stuff out here so that people can know different things. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know, just cause I like it, but I want to jump into some myth busting pretty quick. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, first one you got listed here, here's a, here's a, a statement. A tree can act as sufficient shelter during a storm. Is that true or false? Um, can it be a shelter from rain? Yes, I guess. But from a thunderstorm, uh, they highly recommend not standing under a significant tree especially if it's the tallest tree in the area understanding that lightning strikes the tallest object around is true and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit but probably not the best case scenario standing under a tree during a thunderstorm now i'll raise my hand as have i have done that before oh i did it two weeks ago in a class (laughs) we didn't have any place to go i mean it was one of them things that we had a lightning storm coming through and and the place I was doing was remote and there was no other shelter. And so we were actually, we were in an open field when it started coming. I was like, we got to get to some trees. And I, I, and, and you've read most, I have, I've only looked through a bit of this. Tell me if we did the right thing or wrong thing. I pushed them up next to the base of a hill under trees, thinking that the most likely place to get hit would be a tall tree on that hill. Would that be true? You think, or did I do the wrong thing? Uh, yes. If you want to go by uh, statistics, it will generally hit my understanding of it is it will generally hit the the higher portion of that particular hill, mm-hmm. but there's by far no guarantee. Oh yeah. Sure. It, it can strike sure. down in the mid, what they kind of recommended or what I've kind of got from the reading of being in the woods is, uh, actually not standing beside of, or under a tree period. Hmm. finding an opening in the forest and standing in that area and not up against that tree because lightning is going to hit the trees before it hits the ground. If it's a forested area and I'm talking about typical Kentucky forestry area, hmm. uh, but that's not safe, a hundred percent safe either as it strikes that tree that um, the lightning can come right down, hit the ground and disperse that way as well. Or the, but, knock the tree on you too, right? Could knock the tree on you too. Hmm. But as soon as that lightning starts hitting the ground, it disperses and, um, and spreads out. So your chances of getting a direct light, a lightning strike standing on the ground away from that tree is, is better than being up against the tree. That's good stuff. That's a pretty common thing that I've been in the middle of in the years, through the years. I yes. mean, if you spend time outside, you're going to be out in a lightning storm. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah. Mm. And I have, and I've stood up underneath the trees, it, partially just from trying to, keep from getting wet yeah sure right and it starts out like that but eventually you end up getting soaked anyway so 
but that's usually how I begin up against the tree. But it says that um, uh, if you're out in places like open field, definitely stay away from uh, fencing, especially if it's wire fencing. Hmm. Get away from that. Does it serve as an attractant sure. or something? It does. Or it, it does. Yeah. yeah. And then even something that I didn't realize in this was uh, plumbing. Like if you're in an urban area or even if it hits strikes close to your house, the plumbing in the ground can attract that lightning and pull it right into your house. I read mm-hmm. a story of a gentleman being struck by lightning while he was taking a shower. Yeah. I've always heard that. that I mean, I guess that is one of those wives tales that is true. Mm-hmm. Never. I mean, and my wife's the same way. She's like, it's starting to storm. I don't want you to, I mean, even if, if I'm in a shower and it starts to storm, she tells me to get out. I guess yes. we're, she's right on that. She's right on that. And yeah. and I was, you know, under that impression as well. Yeah. And that, I think that brings up something that I want to talk about too. And that is, probably be a good idea to share with everybody where you got this information. Yeah. All this information that we're putting out either came from the uh, NOAA website, the forestry service websites or CDC. Okay. And this other one was the national severe storms lab or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Uh, which was underneath the NOAA website. Oh, okay. That's part of NOAA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or at okay, least it cool. is on the website. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I stayed away from pulling up YouTube videos and listen to Joe Blow talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Well, we were talking about this in a class I was teaching this weekend about, you know, I might have put information out on a YouTube video 10 years ago that I might have gotten smarter. Somebody might hammer me on it, but at the same time, I'm not going to apologize for getting smarter over the years. <laughs> I mean, it's you, you share as much information as you can with as as best you can, but I mean we're all improving. We're all improving. So, which you know you think about CPR, how many times has CPR oh gosh, procedures man. change? I mean, it's like every other year. It's like, yeah, every two or three years they're changing or updating it. So, yeah, as as information comes along, we gotta gotta grow with it. Yeah, and I like the fact that you dug into some real scientific information here location i mean some people in the prepper survival community have such a disdain for the government but i'm just telling you there is, these organizations you just mentioned are just absolutely crammed full of scientists that this is all they do they have dedicated their life to it <laughs> i mean it's the same thing yeah. with ticks I, the information i pass to people comes from an entomologist that all they do is look at ticks every day they got a better opinion on the matter than i do that's just all there is to it that's all there <laughs> is to them. it exactly all right, number two here, lightning victims carrying electrical charge. If you touch them, you can be electrocuted. True or false? Uh, that's not true. The body does not maintain the electrical charge. I, this is one I, I didn't uh, believe to be true. I don't think it, I've uh, ever heard that one before. But apparently it is something because this hmm. is something that uh, Noah put on their uh, fact or fiction type page. So apparently somewhere through history, it was believed that they maintain that charge, but they don't. So hmm. as soon as that uh, lightning is over with, then you can start your CPR and first aid for Help that them. person. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture the other day that somebody had put up on Facebook, some woman that had been hit by lightning. Her whole back would look like it, like the lightning went down through her blood vessels because all of her blood vessels on her back had been <laughs> exposed out. It was, yep. it was wild, man. It just hurt me thinking about it. There's all kinds of pictures you can pull up of, of lightning strikes and the, what's the, yeah. the damage that's left over pretty pretty wild All right number three here if you're trapped outside during a thunderstorm hey 
and I'm just because I know what's coming up, everybody listen to this. We're going to go over these facts or fictions. And one of the things that Tracy put together that we're going to go over at the end is basically some scenario training. So uh, stay tuned for that as we get to it. We're talking about just the facts right now. Um, we've got some scenarios that are likely that for you or from actually for me too, <laughs> that we might be um, involved in. So let's figure out if we can work through those as well with these facts. All right. If you're trapped outside during a thunderstorm, crouching down will reduce your risk of being struck by lightning. True or false? That is false. And that is something I always believe to be true. Um, yeah. I was, I can't necessarily remember who, who I was taught by, but I was always under the impression that if you're, if you're caught outside, crouch down. And uh, I'll try to describe the position. They want your feet together. And squat down as low as you can without allowing your butt to touch the ground. Bow your head as far down between your knees as you can. Keep it as low as possible. Put your thumbs in your ears and your fingers over your eyes. And that protects you if, if the, from sound and the lightning. The, um, but that is not true. Studies have found that um, if you're in that position, the increase of safety is extremely minimal. What they would recommend is that you spend the time moving to safer ground and, and you know, preferably get off the see, X. Yeah. Get off that X. Preferably a vehicle. If you're car camping, don't stay in your tent. Don't, don't stay under the picnic shelter, leave that area and get it, get your family and kids into the car, wait the storm out and then go back into your tent areas and such. Now, if you're out away from your vehicle and you want to, you want to minimize your ground contact, your person to the ground contact. So if you find yourself needing to sit down, take a backpack, as long as it doesn't mm. have metal in it, put it on the ground, then you can sit on it, put something underneath your feet even helps. Almost everyone carries some type of pad to sleep in, mm -hmm. get on top of it. Even if it uh, one inch of air, that still allows you a little bit of a break from ground contact, right. but simply crouching down, does not greatly improve the safety of lightning strike. Hmm. All right. This next one I actually knew was false because I've seen this happen on the, on my parents' farm. Lightning never strikes in one place twice. Yeah. That's yeah. That, I've that's, seen that happen. <laughs> yeah. I, most everybody on would think would understand that being false. I mean, buildings get struck all the time. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Mom and dad's farm has a hill on it right behind the house that has a big, tall locust tree right on top of it. 
and I've seen that that tree's been hit. I can't tell you how many times that tree's been hit. It's a wonder it didn't like hasn't exploded yet, but pieces and parts get knocked off of it all the time. All right, number five, lightning cannot strike in an area if it is not raining and the skies are clear. Uh, they say that is not true. Uh, they talk about not waiting until the thunderstorm is immediately overhead. Uh, it says that if you can hear thunder, lightning is close enough to pose immediate threat. So even though that thunderstorm may appear miles and miles away from you and it's not raining, even the sun might be out overhead as it's coming in. That is not a safety position to be in. All right. So let's get on to uh, our third topic here. And again, this stuff comes from the National Severe Storms Laboratory. Do you say it laboratory or do you say laboratory? I would say lab. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about words like this this week in class. This is one of the things I love about traveling and teaching is, is uh, I had to hold one more time. Tracy, you'll find this funny. I used the word holler and somebody's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was up in Pennsylvania and they oh, were like, absolutely. I don't know what that word is. And I was like, oh man, sorry. Just like it was back in Wisconsin that time we were up there. All right. So where does lightning strike? Big question. Yeah. And you know, it, it gets extremely technical. This is about the least technical way of describing it that actually made sense to me. So I'm going to kind of read it off here a little bit. Most, if not all lightning flashes produced by storms start inside the cloud. If a lightning flash is going to strike the ground, a channel develops toward downward towards the surface of the ground to the earth. When it gets less than roughly a hundred yards off the ground, objects like trees, bushes, and buildings start sending up sparks to meet it. And when one of those sparks connects to that downward developing channel, a huge electrical current surges rapidly down the channel to the ground and produces that spark. Tall objects such as trees, skyscrapers, and more are more likely to uh, than the surrounding ground to create one of the connecting sparks and are more likely to be struck by lightning. Uh, it says mountains are also good targets. However, this does not always mean that tall objects will be hit. That's wild, man. I don't understand. I truly don't understand how trees and stuff are putting off sparks. That's fascinating. It hmm. is to me. And the one thing that um, conversation that we always have had or I have had in the past is does lightning come from the sky down or does it go from the ground up? Right. And the answer to that is actually both. That channel is being opening and met. Um, in the article I read uh, from... Noah said the lightning portion, the light that we see actually is coming generated from the ground up. But there's energy that's traveling both directions both before directions. we see the actual light. Yes. The electrical charge. Hmm. Interesting. That's crazy. The trees are putting off sparks. I did not know that. All right, yeah. then. Buildings and even bushes, yeah. they said. That's crazy, man. All right. So that's lightning. Tell me about thunder. Well, same way. Uh, this is uh, their defin definition of it or the way they explained it. It says lightning causes thunder. So the question is, if I don't hear thunder, is there lightning? There can't be thunder without lightning. So if you hear thunder, there's lightning somewhere. It says energy from a lightning channel heats the air briefly to around 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit much hotter than the sun's surface of 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This rapid heating causes the air to explode outward, 
which causes that sound of thunder. It says thunder can be heard up to 25 miles away uh, from the lightning discharge. Very close to the lightning, the first thunder you hear is from the closest channels, which produces a tearing sound because the thunder contains higher frequencies. And then mm. a few seconds later, you hear that sharp click or that uh, loud uh, crack from the lightning channel, which is a little further away. And then several seconds later, you will hear that ro uh, low thunder rolling that we keep talking about. And that's the lowest frequencies that's coming from the lightning channel. Yeah, I'd say in some parts of the world that tw uh, 25 miles away, I wonder, just thinking about that, the difference between like Kentucky, where we've got a bunch of hills and because we had a storm come through during the night up in Pennsylvania, we were in a valley up there that you could see about 50 miles. It was way, 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 way over there. You could see the mountain and that, because I asked the question, this is the only reason I remember this is I asked the question, how far away is that mountain to that guy? And he said, it's about 50 miles away. And man, when that lightning came through there and that storm, you could just, I mean, it just lasted forever up there, man. It was wild. All right. The obvious question, sir. Can you use thunder to determine the distance to the lightning? Yeah, we dun, were talking. Dun, dun. We were talking. This, the minute, this is what everybody wants to know, right here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was—I had been wrong my entire life. Yeah, I, I was, me too. I was always taught that um, when you see the lightning flash, start counting seconds, and however many seconds you count until you hear that thunder, that's how many miles away it is, which is totally false. And they even go into explaining about the the speed of light and the speed of sound and broke it down into, you know, miles per second and everything. But it says, uh, because light travels through the air roughly a million times faster than this, than sound does, you can use thunder to estimate the distance to lightning. Just count the number of seconds from the time you see the flash until you hear the thunder. Sound travels approximately two tenths of a mile per second. So dividing that number by five gives you the number of miles away the lightning strike is. And for those people in other countries, if you divide by three, you get the number of kilometers. So I've been wrong my whole life. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, dude. I'm just kind of running that through my head. Mm -hmm. We've got to come up with a simple way to teach that to people. Makes it easy to remember, you know what I'm saying? The divide by five? Yeah. Yeah, we need to come up with some little phrase or something for that. That'll be helpful to people. Divide by five will keep you alive. There it is, son. <laughs> huh, put you on the spot, didn't I? Brain rolled a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Divide by five will keep you alive. I've been doing, again, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. i just yeah. been counting a second. So I've been thinking the lightning strikes have been way, way away when really they've been kind of more up on top. Closer. Of yep. All right, so we've been talking about lightning, but I know as well as you do, there's a difference between heat lightning and regular lightning. Maybe, I don't know, or at least maybe that's an assumption I've been making wrong the whole time too. I have heard the term heat lightning my entire life, and I've heard my dad, I've heard everyone say it. I don't worry about that. That's just heat lightning. Don't mm -hmm. worry about that. It doesn't mount to anything. So the um, Noah says that a related term, heat lightning, is any lightning too far away for the thunder to be heard? Uh, it may have a reddish uh, heat color to it because it's scattering of the blue light. That's where it gets that heat, the redness to it. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of misconceptions about heat lightning, but it is no different than regular lighting. It's just Mm -hmm. lightning, lightning that is farther away and you can't hear the thunder. It's wild how that kind of stuff gets started. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that. Like we were taught, we've talked about so many times, or at least I've talked about it too much about moss growing on North side of trees, man. I still, to this day, believe in my heart that that was put in some kid's book a long time ago. And it's just been, or, you know, cause back as long as that's been out, that wasn't put out in some blog. So that's, that was put in a kid's book <laughs> somewhere. I can remember, I can remember the moss on the North side tree, even whenever I was a kid growing up. That's what I'm saying, man. It's just, this kind of stuff is harmful to people. Mm-hmm. All right. So is it possible to have thunder without lightning? No lightning causes the thunder. So you may see the lightning again and not hear the thunder because you're too far away. Right. But there is thunder there. I was kind of, uh, enjoyed, I hadn't been to the beach in a long time. Uh, went down a couple of weeks ago with my wife. You can see so far, there's so many things in that part of the world that you get to see that, that I don't get to see in Kentucky. I remember a friend of mine, he, when he went to college, the first, when he went to college was, he grew up in Eastern Kentucky at the foot of a mountain. And the first time he saw the actual sun set on the horizon was when he went to college. Cause he was poor and he grew up there and he never left, you know, mm-hmm. basically Paintsville area of Kentucky. Right. It's, it's beneficial when you start looking at weather and considering it to go where you can see it so far away. I mean, I've been trying to study clouds for a while, mm-hmm. uh, over the last year. Cause I wrote about clouds in that children's book. And there was finally, I got to see such a sky full of clouds down there. I was like all this stuff that I researched and studied, I could see a little bit better down there, <laughs> which is good to be able to f- formulate what it looks like in our, in my mind, at least. All right. So does a thunderstorm always produce lightning? By the definition of thunderstorm, you're going to have thunder. And since thunder is created by lightning, a thunderstorm will always have lightning in it. So whenever the TV forecaster that comes on, that's typically wrong. <clears throat> and says there's a thunderstorm, you know, rolling through. Mm-hmm. They classified as a thunderstorm that tells you straight up that there's lightning going to be involved in that mm-hmm. storm that's coming through. And we touched upon this a little bit, but does lightning always strike the tallest object? Not always, but typically the case, but it's not safe um, to assume that to be 100% true. All right. So these next couple of questions we have in our notes, I think we've covered. Mm-hmm. I think we have. Does lightning strike from the sky down or the ground up? Uh, the answer is both. Um, and we talked about the channeling there and then, um, how hot can lightning make the air, uh, surrounding air anywhere from 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit up to 60,000 degrees Fahrenheit and the surface of the surface, the surface (laughs) of the sun, because whenever I read the first article, I read it as it it generates, it's hotter than the sun and it's not, it's hotter than the surface of the sun, which is okay. roughly 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Because that's a big difference. That's a big difference. <laughs> Holy mackerel, man. But think about that. That's why, you know, uh-uh. even if it, um, can even create, you're close to it, can create burns. Yeah. All right. So what happens to the ground when lightning strikes it? Uh, I thought this was interesting because, uh, there is a movie out and I yes, swear. Yes. With that, Matthew McConaughey. No. Yes, dude. What was it? And we're thinking of two different movies. Then you're not thinking about the movie where the guy makes the stuff on the beach. Yeah, that's not Matthew McConaughey though. It's not. No. Okay, you keep talking. I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> that's exactly. And whenever I saw this, uh, it 
brought that movie up, uh, looked that up while, while I that finished it. But it says, what tends to happen when lightning strikes the ground is that it fuses dirt and clays oh, into right. silicas. The result is often a glassy rock in the shape of a convoluted tube. And what was the name of that movie? It was Sweet Home Alabama Sweet with Home Reese Alabama. Witherspoon. There oh, that's go. a good movie, man. That is definitely a chick flick that I like. That's a good uh, movie. I like Reese Witherspoon, movie. though. Yeah. yeah. But he made a uh, he made a killing going out there and putting those rods in the sand, if I remember the movie. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And it says, uh, lightning travel, traveling down a tree trunk turns the water into steam. And if that steam gets under the bark, then in the, into the surface moisture of the wood, the rapidly expanding steam can blast pieces of bark and branches from trees. And we've all seen that where trees have just basically blown apart. Yeah. i tell you what somebody told me one time. This is not something that this is kind of like one of those wives tells things too. that wood off of a tree that's been hit by lightning was nearly sacred to native American people. And that's what they would always make throwing sticks and boomerangs from. Is that true I'm, or false? I have no idea. I doubt it's true. I doubt it's true. And that's why I'm not going to mention who told me that because he's he's a pretty good guy, but I think it's bullcrap. <laughs> have to call BS on that one. Actually, I'll be seeing Doug Meyer tomorrow. I'll ask him if he knows. He's He's got a degree in anthropology, so he might know that. Yeah, that would know. be interesting. I could see where they might see it as being special. Oh, yeah, special, yeah. He, he was specifically honed in on boomerangs, though. I was like, okay, whatever, man. My question would be, does that wood burn? I don't know. It might be charred already. It doesn't always come off black, though. No. I've seen a bunch of trees. Just it just looks like a it, bomb's hit it. I just wonder if it, um, through that electrical charge, if it mm. off-gassed enough not to have enough gas to burn. Hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. I'll have to try um, that. Yeah. The lightning current can travel even farther through water, metal fences. There's the fences, like for farmers and such. Uh, power lines and plumbing. Yeah, and the point of it traveling through other areas just because everybody's connected to the same water line, that's pretty interesting too. So, yeah. All right, everybody from Florida, listen up. When and where does lightning most frequently strike, Mr. Statistician here? Yeah. Uh, the highest, this is good information. Highest frequency of cloud-to-ground lightning is in Florida between Tampa and Orlando. That's wild too. A lot of moisture in the air, a lot of hot, humid air. I'd have been convinced a million times over that it was on my dad's farm. <laughs> I would have said Texas. Gosh. Why? Well, because, uh, well, maybe not Texas, but somewhere out in the Midwest because of all the storms and the tornadoes, oh. you know, the yeah. tornado alley out through there. I would have figured it somewhere out there, but it says it's because of all the hot, humid air. Hmm. If you're listening to the podcast and you're Florida, let us know your experience down there between Tampa and Orlando. All right. How many flashes a year are there, Mr. Trimble? It says over the 48 states, um, the average of 20 million cloud to ground flashes have been detected every year since 1989. And it says a lot of those uh, ground contacts will have multiple points. So they're estimating about 30 million points of ground uh, strikes on average per year. And this comes from the Lightning Detection Network. Because, yes. you know, we need that, too. I had no idea that even existed. Who, me either. Never heard of that before. <laughs> That's a bunch of nerds in some laboratory somewhere. Just, oh, there's another one, Fred. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, man. But I'm going to take their uh, 
stats for it because yeah no joke that's who i want stats from absolutely. even though they're nerds that's who i want to listen to all right so what are the odds here here's a good one what are the odds of being struck by lightning how many times have you heard it in your life i have a better chance of being struck by lightning yeah all the time it, yeah so I was for different curious. reasons too yeah. i've heard everything ranging from blood type and i think that comes from insects because there is some data that shows that mosquitoes are attracted to certain blood types I think that kind of stuff just bleeds over to everything in nature. I really do. I mean, uh, I, I'm yeah. about convinced of it anymore. I bet it's O positive because I'm O positive. And I can't remember. It's in a blog <laughs> we got on a website. Um, and I, that's another one of the things I interviewed that entomologist about. And he he laid that on me. I was like, okay, my, yeah. my daughter's just like you, dude. And because we they come after. Yeah. And we, we actually, um, I actually, after she got, diagnosed with type one diabetes wondered if it was something about her blood sugar levels right mm -hmm. that is not necessarily true at all uh there can't well there's no data to back that up right but we he was the one that told me it's blood type okay all right go ahead i'm sorry That's interesting uh it says according to the uh, national weather service the chance of an individual in the u.s being struck during a given year is one in 1.2 million the odds of being struck uh, in your lifetime, based upon eighty years, eighty year lifespan, uh, is one in fifteen thousand three hundred. Now that lowers it quite a bit, doesn't it? I tell you what, man, that surprises me. It did surprise me, and this is just an individual. Think about people like yourself that are outside all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got to be a. I've got to have a higher instance of it. And man, that class that I was mentioning earlier, there was a guy that came to me. He said, man, if I peace out on you, uh, it's not you because I've had two friends that were killed by lightning. This guy was from Washington state Good grief. and he said, so being out in lightning kind of freaks me out. And I was like, I don't blame you, dude. So, uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, listen to this. When is the most dangerous times to be struck by lightning? Man, I don't know. At the, in the very, middle, at the very beginning because mm. people see it being a good distance away. So they are not worried about it. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. We'll go ahead and finish up and be inside before it reaches here. And when the storm has passed, you go outside because the storm has passed and it's a few miles away and it right. can still reach back and, and hit. So the beginning and the ending of storms statistically is the most dangerous of uh, being struck by lightning. You know, that data, here's, here's what jumps out because I'm running numbers in my head. Mm -hmm. It's not like I know anybody that's been struck by lightning, but in my little town, there's about 45,000 people here, Winchester, Clark County. Three people have been hit by lightning. In Winchester? Well, that's what I'm saying. If we look at the data, oh, one in 15,000 over 80-year lifespan, three people in Winchester have been hit by lightning. Yep. Basically, in their lifetime. So I bet if you put that question out on Facebook, someone would know someone who has been hit by lightning yeah oh i'll put that out when we get this podcast I'd, up that'd be curious to that'd find be a good out. one to put out in the yeah. community page yeah all right moving on next topic you all let's talk about let's not be scared we always like to talk about stuff and learn and and get data but now let's start using it to our advantage what to do if we get caught out in a lightning storm the do's and the don'ts and uh, Tracy's data that he gathered here is from the U.S. Forestry Service, who should know something about storms in a forested area, since that's what we're talking about more often than anything. Um, you want to go, how about you go the do's and I'll do the don'ts. Okay, the do's, the number one is 
obviously seek proper shelter. And if you're thinking about camping, um, a tremendous amount of families go what we call car camping, meaning they back into a gravel little parking lot and then they have a section where they pitch their tent, uh, go to that vehicle. So if you're in the middle of the night and a storm rolls in, you see lightning that wakes you up, grab your kids, put them in the vehicle and wait till it passes. Um, get inside, inside your house. Don't be like what I did the other night and walk out on to the front porch. Just stay inside <laughs> and watch it through the windows. And then you have to wait until it's over. A good, they say 30 minutes, wait 30 minutes until you hear the last uh, lightning or last thunder or see the last lightning. Wait 30 minutes before you leave your vehicle and get back out. If you have an opportunity to get to a uh, picnic shelter, something that just has a roof over it with a post holding the roof up, or you have a chance to get into your vehicle, get into your vehicle. So that's a good do. Uh, best to wait at least 30 minutes after you hear the last clap. We went over that. Stay low. If you're on a hilltop, get off of it. If you're on a mountain ridge, get off of it. If you're on a peak, get off of it. Spend that time removing yourself from those high, highest places and not just crouching down like what I understood would be the best way to do. Uh, stay away from items that conduct electricity. We talked about uh, wire fences, power lines, windmills. We're starting to see a lot of those out west and other tall objects. Drop metal objects like golf clubs. Hey, serious question. <laughs> you put a fantastic photo up the other day yes. on your Facebook. I was playing golf. <laughs> That's what I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> it was hey, a for those, that don't, for those that are not friends of Tracy's face, is this what prompted this discussion? Part of it. Uh, Tracy was playing golf in a storm. <laughs> but you weren't holding golf clubs, right? Well, heck yeah, I was. The, uh, <laughs> that was funny, man. Oh, you know, we were. Uh, oh, um, my gosh. Yes, I have a picture of that. Heck, we'll try That was to, a good picture. Yeah, we'll try to put it up on our Facebook page or something. But um, Hey, use it as the thumbnail for this. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll yeah, do that. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. So we were out playing golf and I could see the storm and, you know, it's one of the, we had like three holes left. So we were trying to rush there and get the three holes in before it came our way. Luckily it was moving the other way. So we were good, but yeah, off in the distance, could not hear no thunder, but we sure could see the lightning flashes mm. up there in the middle of the day. Uh, but drop metal objects like golf clubs, fishing rods, umbrellas, backpacks with metal frames in them. And then here's one that I wasn't aware of. It says, if you're on the shoreline, if you're on water, obviously get off the water and get 100 yards away from the shoreline. Get away from that Because it body. travels across the water like that? Yeah. Get away from that body of water or the, mm. the streams. And then here's one that surprised me, but uh, you and I are big proponents of uh, getting your amateur radio license, your ham radio license, and carrying a radio, radio with you at all time. Make sure that you carry a radio that picks up the NOAA weather. Even, especially if you're going multiple days, if you're going multiple days, the weather forecast can change. Um, how often do they get it correct anyway? You know, 12 right. hours out, 24 hours out. Right. So carry a radio with you um, so you can get the latest and greatest weather forecast. So that's just some quick news. And that came from the forestry service. That's good stuff. I'll go over the don'ts and I'll tell a story first. The worst time I've ever, the scariest event I've ever been involved in in the outdoors was a lightning storm paddling the red river in um here in kentucky really yeah we we 
it, we, we nearly died like three different ways on that trip. Man, that's another reason I teach the way that I teach. Ego was in the way on that one too, but we got hung up in the middle of the gorge, tied the boat off, spent, spent the night in a tent right on the side. I mean, we were, I wish we'd had hammocks because we just kept sliding to the bottom of the tent. It was that steep. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was one of those times where we pulled the canoe up on a sandbar, tied it off well, because that was one of the things we'd always done really well. When we got up the next morning that, that, uh, that canoe was floating probably on good eight, nine foot deep water. Wow. The red rose that fast and it it's, stormed that hard. Yeah. That's one thing about the red. It, it comes Gosh. up quick and goes down fairly quick, but lightning uh, all night long mm -hmm. scared me. I was literally scared for my life that night in, in almost all night long. I'll tell you one, one deal real mm -hmm. quick. Uh, we were out horse riding and we did everything wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. It was my dad and I, and it was one of the things we knew it was coming in, but we thought we could make the, the loop and be back to the barn uh, real quick. And we get out probably three quarters of the way and it hit and it hit and it hit and it hit. I mean, hard lightning, thunder, horses, you know, scared to death. Heck, mm -hmm. I was too. I was probably 19 or 20. And um, we stayed on our horses and that's something you shouldn't do. You right. get off your horses. Uh, the horse has four hoofs on the ground, which is going to be more contact. You have two feet, get off, put those feet together. And if you've got to stand, put those feet together and just stand. Hmm. And another thing they, they brought out was to, um, if you're in a party, say like a family, you want to spread your family out at least 30 feet out. So that if lightning hmm. does strike, it's not going to hit everybody. Oh yeah. Um, and we didn't, we, we were side by side sitting on horses and you know, guys, it was, it was awful. We like talking about these things. You also, you can make, uh, not make the same mistakes that we've made. I don't want to glorify this stuff at all. That's, that's craziness right there. Both yeah. what I did and you did. That's, that's bad, yeah. man. Yeah, mm. absolutely. All right. But, let's talk uh, about what's oh, the I'm don'ts. Sorry. Yeah. What's the don'ts? The don'ts. Number one, pitch your, pitch your tent near the tallest tree that's going to be an attractant so don't do that stand number two stand near isolated trees on cliffs ridge tops rock overhangs caves are not suitable for such shelters which was one that would surprise me i would have thought to get into a it was into a shelter. here's what i learned about caves mm -hmm. and a lot of things a lot of times that what people call a cave is not a cave meaning that it's kind of a rock overhang we call them rock houses around here i don't know what mm -hmm. you all called them but shelters it's basically if you took the sheer line of a cliff and down at the bottom of it uh, you just reached in with a giant fork and just pulled out part of the rock so you mm -hmm. really just getting underneath the cliff that's what we call i grew up calling them rock houses you call them rock mm -hmm. shelters mm -hmm. and if you notice if you ever in those those have a, a moisture in them mm -hmm. which is going to pull and then the way the electricity runs the lightning runs it will run down the sheer line of that cliff and if you're standing out near the front of it it can jump from that rock into you holy crap now looks so bad now a cave they said a cave is a little different mm -hmm. you still have the moisture issues but if it's a cave where you can really get back into it and away from that opening mm -hmm. it's a little bit better than just the rock overhang but don't but be by you, the water if it's in there. Yeah. But if you are in that cave, don't touch the walls, the ceilings, hmm. or anything like that. All right. So number three of the don't list, just to be clear again, 
don't stand in open fields, seek a ravine to travel out of the area if possible. Get in a little ravine, a hollow, a holler, whatever you call it, uh, better than being out in the middle of a field. And number four is sit or lie down. Don't do that. These positions provide much more contact with the ground, allowing a water path for lightning to follow. If in a group spread out at least 30 feet, as Tracy just mentioned. And Tracy, were we talking about that before we got on? Or was that during where you were talking about sitting on a pack? Uh, Did you mention that during the podcast? If not, if not, I'm bringing it up again. Um, Sit on a pack. So you're making less contact with the earth, which hopefully everybody understands that that means you're grounded to the earth, which is problematic. And I think it's worthy of note of saying this too. Noah makes it very clear. And these are the experts you all, not Tracy and I. We're just basically sharing information here. Noah makes it very clear there are no safe places in the outdoors when lightning's in the area. True. That can be problematic. All right. Number five, let's talk about some first aid, dude. Yeah. So you're out and about with your family and, and a member gets struck by lightning. What do you do? I think this, this might be something that a lot of people overlook in terms of studying for it, preparing for it. We hear that deaths per year, right? 20, 21 deaths per year. That's not a lot of deaths per year whenever you think about it, but they only estimate, they estimate that roughly, roughly per year, 10% of lightning people that get struck by lightning die. So if there's 27 hmm. deaths, there's 270 people that has been struck. Oh, wow. And the vast majority of those, like 74%, they say of the survivors, they have some form of permanent disability. You can oh, imagine man. So that that's going nearly 300 people. Yes. I mean, it's going to be right at 300 people that are going to this, either this die or. And then lightning deaths are uh, typically second in the number of deaths behind floods. It does cause a, a, a problem, right? So we need to be prepared for it. The number one thing and really number one kind of thing you really need to do always in the first aid is call 911. Try to get help on the way before you actually start working on the patient or the victim. You don't want to get involved in helping the patient and not call 911. If there's multiple right. people you need to look directly at someone and make sure they understand that they are the ones that need to call 911 and be prepared to give your location either by road or uh, campsite, or if you're out in the wilderness in the outback, you need to be able to give your coordinates to 911 so that people can come in and, and uh, find you. The number two thing I would say, and this actually came from CDC and I agree with them, something that we always overlook or not always, but a lot of people overlook if you don't train for it is safety first and safety first means me, we, you, I need to take care of myself if I'm not injured because I'm the one that's going to be helping people. And then I need to take care of we meaning for instance, say my family, I don't want a second member of my family doing something to get hurt, which uh, compounds everything, which adds to the problem. I won't be part of the solution. And then you is the victim. So safety first goes me, we, you. And that, I think that would be good for anyone, any situation. So it says if necessary, uh, move the victim to a safer location, uh, meaning if they're next to that tall tree, if they're out on a cliff line, you don't want to be doing uh, first aid CPR uh, while standing or sitting next to a cliff line. So move them, if at all possible, to a safer location. Lightning off, uh, often causes a heart attack, which is the leading cause of death. So check for a heartbeat and then check for breathing. And the best place to check for the heartbeat is in the neck area. 
and then resuscitate. If the victim does not have a pulse, start CPR procedures, which is, you know, 30 compressions, two breaths. If the victim has a heartbeat but is not breathing, then immediately begin your rescue breathing, which is one breath every five to six seconds. And then you uh, have to continue this res uh, resuscitation efforts until help arrives or the victim, you know, becomes conscious. And then um, one of the things that might occur is hypothermia. So placing some type of ground break between the victim and the ground will help alleviate that. And then after, if they do come to, then you're going to may have, may have some other issues like burns and shock and blunt trauma. And you have to provide basic first aid for that as well. So just some quick and dirty way of looking at the first aid for lightning strikes. If you're out understanding what could possibly happen, will help prepare you as a person rendering first aid. And that stuff came from the CDC. CDC. Informed by you, who is also a woofer. Is that what you are? Uh, woofer, yes. And I looked up my Knowles um, mm -hmm. wilderness book, and it corresponds directly with that as well. People that are not familiar that a woofer is a wilderness first responder that people like Tracy go through specifically for responding to emergencies in a wilderness area. So it's good stuff. All right, number six, let's talk about some scenarios, which I think is a Nature Reliance School hallmark. Okay. Good stuff. Well, let me read one off, and then you kind of give me what you think that, okay. uh, yeah, think that you're going to do. So you and your family have set up camp in a typical camping site in a national park where you park your vehicle and pitch a tent in a gravel lot. It's 1 a.m. and you're awoken by a streak of lightning. I'm putting us in the car. Yeah, as soon as possible. That's going to be the safer location than the tent. By far. You agree with that? Yeah, by far. That is the safest location. Uh, number two, you're hiking in a wooded forest, uh, let's say a typical Kentucky forested area, and you hear thunder. Hmm. Let's say, probably... let me add to it. Let's say that you're three hmm. miles away from your vehicle. Okay. I, I, I would assess where I am, whether I'm high or low. If I'm high, I'm going to get down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get off a ridge top, basically, is what I'm saying here in Kentucky. Um, try to get as low as possible. I'm not going to necessarily, uh, I don't want to go to an open area purposely. If I could find a cave, I'd get into it. That's some ideas. What do you think? What would you add to that or take away from it? Yeah. Well, the, um, again, um, stay away from directly being at the base of trees. If you can find mm -hmm. that little forestry open area, I think that's where I would stand. If I had to force myself to stand, that's where I would stand. And if I had to take a seat, I would make sure there's no metal in my backpack, which I can't think of anything in metal that I carry. And I would sit on that. Uh, even if I could um, put something underneath my feet that eliminate ground contact with my feet and get off the ground. If I had to be out and, and weather the storm, as they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? You and your buddies are kayaking down the Licking River and you see lightning off in the distance, but you do not hear the thunder. Oh, several pieces here. One of these is new to me. I'm glad you shared it. We're going to get off the river, get a hundred yards off the shoreline of that river. Yeah. I wasn't aware sure. of that distance. And since you said buddies, we're going to spread out and have at least 30 feet between us, not Absolutely. cuddled up together in the same spot, yep. man. That, I tell you what, man, I'm just telling you, I bet a bunch of people do that and they all get in a tent together. I've been out hiking you know? before mm. and get caught in a, a thunderstorm rolling through the, we call them, um, you know, little pop-up thunderstorms, little popcorn mm -hmm. type thunderstorms. And um, 
heck, me and my buddy, we just we stood underneath the tree. We stood together. Mm-hmm. So if lightning did strike the area, he and I both probably would have been hit. Whereas mm-hmm. if we were 30, 40, 50 feet apart, if lightning hit, at least maybe one of us wouldn't be so injured that we could render first aid or at least try to get help. Hey, how about this? <laughs> You're relaxing <laughs> on your front porch and watching the storm move in. Then you see a lightning and hear a thunder. That's what Tracy does. That's exactly what I did the other night. <laughs> I bet you don't next time. I bet I don't know. I'll watch it from the window. And we, yep. again, we used to do that all the time whenever we were kids. Mom and dad would. Well, I mean, what else are you going to do back then? You didn't have TV. We didn't have Facebook <laughs> and everything else. Exactly, man. I mean, <laughs> storms were cool. It was, man. Um, let's see. While sightseeing in an area, you are crossing an open field when you hear thunder. I'm going to get out of that field and start getting to a safer area. If I can get in a lower area, like a ditch, that would be better. But I, I would also like to add this caveat to that. You got to depend upon where you are in the country or the world for that matter. Cause we got a lot of people listening to us outside of the U S yes. um, you got to be aware of flash flood areas. Absolutely. That's not really an issue for us. And I think sometimes me and you even forget that, but that mm-hmm. that's a real problem in some parts of the world. So. Yeah, but I'm going to get across that field. I don't want to be there. I don't it, to go back and and maybe myth bust a little bit. This is not one of those situations where I want to squat down. Exactly. I, I want to get out of that field. Yeah, you want to spend your time getting out of the open area uh, and getting into some type of cover, even even if it's in the middle of the forest, just find an open spot and stand there. And then, uh, I think we've. I think we talked about this before, but um, scenario six is, is while camping, you have an opportunity to return to your vehicle before the storm arrives, or you can stay under the picnic type shelter. Get in that car. That's Absolutely. what I should have done with that class a couple of weeks ago. Man, this is a real timely t- topic, dude. Yeah, I would have gone to the car, right? Absolutely. The picnic shelter type, um, from what my research, uh, really only protects you from the rain. Is the metal on uh, like a tin on a something like that? Would that be more of an attractant? I would think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember those? Remember the one or two classes we had out there at the previous place where we were doing classes? Yes. Man, and that tree, that one big tall tree was right there next to that shelter. That was a death wish, man. That's another was, one of the most scary times I've ever had in my yeah. life. And it was sycamore. And sycamores typically, you know, have a lot of moisture in them. Man, this has been good, dude. I see you got one more piece of data here. What about our boy Roy Sullivan? Here? <laughs> I ran across Holy this mackerel. Man. Yeah, uh, think <laughs> think about this. Think about the chances of being struck by lightning. And one, and I think you said one point two million, didn't you? Yeah, for for once, for yeah. one being struck. Um, was a U.S. Park Ranger, and between the years of nineteen forty two and nineteen seventy seven, he has been struck seven times. See, that is and fascinating to me. Each of those seven times were verified, meaning other people were around that verified that he did get struck by lightning. Oh my gosh! Where was uh, it? Says uh, his second hit was while he was in a truck. Mm. which usually acts as a Faraday cage, right? We just got through telling people, mm-hmm. if you have a choice, get TV. Well, he was struck in the vehicle his second yeah. time. Uh, this is his fourth hit was when he was inside a ranger station in the Shenandoah National Park, while his fifth and sixth hits came from small clouds that he swore were following him. Probably. <laughs> I would probably say after that point, many hits. Yeah. 
And then the saving the craziest for last, his seventh hit was uh, while fishing after being hit by the boat. Uh, he had to fight off a bear who ambled out of the woods uh, looking for the fish to eat. After he got hit by lightning? After he got hit by lightning. My man Roy needs to get into another line of work. <laughs> God, needs to be an accountant. <laughs> no joke. Go to the bank, son. <laughs> Back yeah. groceries or something. Yeah. Play the oh, lottery. Wow. Dude, this has been good. Thanks for putting all this together. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's timely. It's July and August are the two worst months for Kentucky statistically. So, well, it looked like that, that you all that are listening in didn't get to look at this chart, but Tracy put a chart up for me and him. And obviously the bigger months are like July Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, June and July. So that's where we are right now. You all, which makes this even more timely. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. We like getting people outside and keeping them safe. This will do it. Sure. Absolutely. All right, boys and girls. Uh, thanks again for listening in. Uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from, uh, several different things. We've gotten people that are saying, Hey, I love the historical stories. I like the interviews and it looks like we're going to be doing interviews more regular with different people outside of the nature reliance school community, but still doing stuff in the outdoors. Uh, I had actually two people contact me today saying they were wanting to be on the podcast to talk about their stuff and what they do. So that's a good sign for nature reliance media. That's a real good sign. Actually. Uh, our way is not the way of doing things. It is a way. That's why Tracy put data together from a bunch of experts in the field. It's not me and Tracy's personal opinion on this. These are people that look at lightning for a living, which I think is worthwhile of your investment in time and studying such things. Anything else? No, we appreciate you jumping in. And, uh, if you got a second, if you got a comment, either positive or negative, Or if you have a suggestion for a podcast episode, send us a message at podcast at naturereliance.org. And help us out. Like I like to say all the time, give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Give us a review. Uh, It's hard to explain how important that is to us continuing what it is that we're doing and getting information out because that pushes it out to more people. So thank you so much. Uh, Podcast is growing because of you all. And we greatly appreciate it. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. That wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.